Good evening, everyone. This is the Sounds Welcome podcast, and this is our final episode for this season. And uh, on this episode, we're starting off with my good friend, Jackson Fritz, a.k.a. Chameleon Factory. Uh, he's performing on his Moog Sub Fatty. So stay tuned for a great performance from him. And then uh, we'll be talking with my friend Santiago Ramones and my friend Ty Fan on our favorite albums of decades. So... Get hyped for that list. You're listening to Sounds Welcome. And that was Jackson Fritz, a.k.a. Chameleon Factory, here in the booth tonight. And thank you so much for that awesome performance. That was really sick. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Sorry for the mistakes. No, don't don't apologize. And I just want everyone else that's uh, in the booth tonight, we can just go down the line and uh, you guys can introduce yourselves and a little bit about what you do. And then we'll just jump right into this uh, best album of the decade list. Uh, real quick, his mic isn't record enabled, so it's... Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Wait. Hey, that worked. I didn't expect that to work. It worked. Okay. Yeah. 
you can cut that little clip out, but yeah. <laughs> no, we, we, we like to keep it raw. <laughs> okay. Here. <laughs> All right, you're start. Jackson, since you're down the line. <laughs> I'm starting? Yeah, well, just say it, introduce yourself. Oh, okay, sorry. I'm, my name is Jackson Fritz. Um, met Kalen here in Norman and a bunch of other people and trying to try to play music as best as I can, even when going gets rough, but that's pretty much it. We thought it was a stellar performance. Yeah, it was just really dope. Love hearing it. I thought uh, that. <laughs> uh, I'm Santiago Ramones. I am a composer, podcast host, uh, producer, songwriter, performer. I think that's the shortest way I can put it. <laughs> that's a that's a dope. Uh, that's the dopest, quickest resume I've ever heard. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Ty Fan, and I'm a structural engineer. So I met Kalen for a couple years now at a place called Second Wind Coffee, and it's a pretty neat place. Sweet. Sh- shout out Second Wind. Yeah, shout out. All right. So I know uh, I know Jackson. You told me that you kind of have like some honorable mentions that you wanted to uh, dish out throughout this podcast, but I know that uh, pod, ah, what am I even saying? <laughs> Santiago and uh, Ty came in here today uh, with a list of their top 10 albums. So we can just kind of get started on Santiago's and then move on to Ty and then uh, kind of talk about, I, I think we're going to have some agreeable albums in our list. So I'm just looking forward to seeing what we all say. So we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Um, should, am I, am I starting? All right. Go, go, go for uh, it. I guess I'll go in like chronological order rather than like the order that I pulled these up in. Uh, so I'll start with Bjork, Bjork, Biophilia. That oh, was 2011. That was 2011. Um, I didn't want to do, uh, Volnikora or Volnikora, however you want to pronounce that, mm-hmm. or Utopia. Um, I think Biophilia had more of a like impact she made like three apps or something for the release of the album and it was a whole experience and it's just the album itself is uh, a beautiful experience that is about like loving nature especially in a time when uh, nature is being treated very much like crap <laughs> yeah and i know that she even uh went forth with that with like vonakira she even had like the kind of vr Kind yeah, of, yeah. Uh, thing going. So this was like she she had apps for uh, this this album's release. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Um, along with like weird. I mean, Bjork always does a bunch of weird, yeah, like, performance stuff. But yeah, yeah. Well, that was really the start to her uh, 2010s career because I feel like that she had like a a lot of like technologically like centered like yeah you know, like ideations like we're gonna like you know fuse this together. Yeah. Uh, which I mean, definitely check out the other two albums from this decade because they're also very good. But yeah. Utopia was also mostly produced with Arca, who is also a great producer. Uh, but like, it's not as much a Bjork album as it is like a Bjork and Arca album. So I mean, I, you're, you're totally right yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love the flutes on that though. There's on yeah, Utopia, the, the flutes and, are and amazing. That is Bjork. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> no, there, there's like surprised. 20 people are playing flutes. I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. sounds like, like it. Uh, Bjork does play fruit, flute, fruit. Wow. Uh, she plays fruit as she well. She probably fruit. also <laughs> plays fruit. Yeah, she find a way. But uh, okay, so then also 2011, uh, "Making Mirrors" by Gautier. Oh. Um, now we all know Gautier as the like somebody I used to, that I used to know guy. 
but the rest of Gautier's music is so dope. And I feel like people are missing out if they just think that Gautier is just the one song because, man, the rest of his music is so good. Um, yeah, he had some really like dope music videos aside just like, you know, like the one that everyone knows too. Yeah, like, yeah. Just like as an artist, like I feel like Gautier was like that one that like everyone missed out on like the other really good work. Though. Right. Like you think he's like a one hit wonder, mm-hmm. but man, the rest of his stuff. He's he's a drummer primarily, which is weird. You wouldn't think so because he's just a great singer. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Gautier project for him was just him doing like. Uh, let me see if I can produce some stuff. And yeah. he did and nailed it. And then with Kimbra on top of that, it was just, it was, oh, yeah. it was overpowered. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to, if you really just want to cry, uh, look up the, the video for Bront, uh, B-R-O-N-T-E. Uh, and man, it's, it's a story about like a family whose dog passed away. And yeah, and it's like it consistently makes me cry. So, I mean, just yeah, it's it's a really good video. And the song is just like really good and really sad. But yeah, it's dope. (laughs) I'll have to check that out later. Yeah. Uh, All right. Let's see. Do I have any 2012s in here? I don't. Um, I have two from 2013 going on more of like the the more popular side. Uh, Woodkid, the Golden Age. Yes. Um, oh my gosh. Okay, so were you bro- introduced to Woodkid the same way that I was? Uh, the Assassin's Creed trailer, Iron. Yes. <laughs> Ty, do you remember this trailer for which Assassin's Creed uh, game? There's Revelations. Like oh, okay, that. Yeah, one. yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. That uh, was that was like the Assassin's Creed trailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's there's not a whole lot of artists that do that thing that Woodkid does, which is the, like, symphony pop music in a way. Yeah. Um, and so he has, like, an orchestra playing his stuff, but they're they're really, like, good, well-composed uh, pieces, but are also, like, good, just, like, hype songs. It's almost like Bastille could have, like, picked up a couple of, like, pointers from Woodkid. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, and, I mean... Uh, Another artist that does that a lot is Sunlux, who I will be mentioning later. So, uh, <laughs> oh, Sunlux too. Oh my yeah. gosh, yes. Yeah. Uh, but they they did a tour together. Um, I think around the same time that um, the Golden Age was released, um, and so they had like a few concerts that were kind of like symphonies, where they had the whole orchestra playing all their stuff. It was really cool and one of a kind thing. But it's hard to do tours with an orchestra because you got to pay all of them mm-hmm. so it's understandable that they don't do that often that sounds like hell yeah or not paying them but just like getting the whole thing together oh, yeah. so it doesn't just collapse <laughs> I can barely hold myself up as one person it amazes me yeah imagine being Mr. West and hiring a whole choir of 20 plus people yeah to go Wait. with you on all those Sunday tours he did that? Yeah, that's what he's done for the Jesus is King. By the way, Kanye is not in any of my top ten, so I'm not. I'm not. Not on mine either, so it's fine. <laughs> not even close. Yeah. Okay. Well, glad, glad that we got that covered. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's no surprises. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, 2013. Uh, also 2013. This is nerdy for me. Um. Oh no, I do have a 2012, but I'll get back to that. 2013. Um. 
disaster piece, uh, Fez. So, okay. Uh, yes, video game soundtracks. I know we're not like, oh, nice. I were thinking about that, but no, but Fez is definitely an interesting one for all across the board. Yes. So the, it, if you didn't know, if you haven't watched indie game, the movie, um, Fez is an indie game, uh, made by essentially two people, three, if you count the composer, uh, and it's a beautiful game with a lot of interesting, like, philosophy woven in there. Um, and the soundtrack kind of helps tie stuff together with that philosophy. And it's, it's a puzzle platformer. Uh, and there's a lot of sort of uh, almost like augmented reality puzzles in the game. So that sometimes the game will give you a QR code. And you'll scan the QR code with your phone and it'll take you somewhere and it'll like give you the answer to that puzzle. In that same way, in the soundtrack, if you open some of these tracks in a uh, spectrogram, uh, you will see images that are like their own puzzles in themselves mm -hmm. in the soundtrack. I are you are you also a big fan of the Hyperlight Drifter soundtrack? Yes. So okay. that's also a disaster piece. Yeah. Um and that that was kind of like at the point where like disaster piece got like really popular because in that time he did he did Fez and then he did Hyperlight Drifter and he did It Follows. Oh, okay. um, and that was a really cool different horror movie. Um, and uh, disaster piece didn't even like he's not even like a horror movie fan. Just the director was a fan of Fez and was like, I want to get this guy to score my my film. And so it's like it made for a really different sounding horror score because awesome. he, he doesn't do he, he's not like a fan of horror films. And so he had a different perspective on what to do that's with that. Refreshing. Yeah, that's yeah. Good. That I'm opening gonna... track from It Follows, that's a pretty oh, yeah. track. Oh, yeah. Um, but um, the... The soundtrack for Fez is probably one of the albums that I've listened to the most ever, just like on repeat a whole lot. And I know it front to back. It's I mean, I I'm a composer primarily. And I one of my major goals is to compose music for video games. Mm -hmm. And so that soundtrack is one of my top favorite video game soundtracks because of how it works within the world. And it's just such a beautiful like meandering and wonderful thing that um just give it a listen it's it's so strange and cool and like it's chiptune but it's not um and that's it's a lot of like jazzy chords too and not anything feels quite like home because he uses so many modes and stuff mm -hmm. it's it's great <laughs> okay I'm, i i i want to see what's next on the list because I saw a couple of things just out of the corner of my eye oh, yeah, and I'm yeah. just really excited to see. <laughs> um, so the, the 2012 that I missed since my list here is out of order, uh, Death Grips, The Money Store. Um, yes. I, the mouth album. Yeah. <laughs> the mouth album. <laughs> it's not the mouth album. I think that's Year of the Snitch. That's Year of the Snitch, snitch yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I like The Money Store the most for some reason. Um, I think it was, I mean, it's obviously before Death Grapes, like, blue blew up. And so everything was just dirty. And, like, I don't know, they, they they just, like, 
put everything out as it was rather yeah. than like taking the time to like polish it up, which is, is kind of how I feel about You're the Snitch. You're the Snitch was definitely a lot more polished and a lot more like the most silent moments in any of the yeah. discography. Uh, whereas the Money Store had like just this raw punch you in the face energy while also just confusing the heck out of me with the <laughs> lyrics. Um, and so it is, it's just a powerhouse of an album and it definitely like, even if it's not your cup of tea, I think it's at least worth a listen just to understand like what's going on in like the forefront of like avant-garde music. And it's like, it's not even that avant-garde, at least if you want to get into like the weird, weird stuff, but like at least for what, people actually listen to <laughs> it, feel, it feels like you're browsing the internet at lightning speed when you listen to death Grip. oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> I mean, most definitely a lot of the tracks on my store i found to be pretty catchy like hacker yeah. that's yeah. a banging song Hacker yeah, is yeah. really catchy the whole the whole damn thing is just a great punch you in the face ride if you're if you're doing cardio or something just just throw on some death grips and just Go ham. Okay, I want to throw in a lightning round for Jackson because he doesn't have a list. But okay, name name a name an album an honorable honorable mention of the decade. Okay, what? Um, I've got several planned. So do you want me to just name one out of those? Yeah, just for right now. Yeah. Okay. Um, one that really made a big big impact on me was uh, "Before Today" by Ariel Pink, and that was released. That was when he started, I guess, doing Ariel Pink's "Haunted Graffiti." There's just a really good cohesive amount of just really good like pop songs. And there's like a cover on there that's great of uh, Bright Lit Blue Skies. You've got, of course, Round and Round. But you also have like Menopause Man, which has some really great synth work on it. You have uh, Revolutions A Lie, which is like like one of his better like rock and roll punk kind of songs. And then you have like... Um, I think it's Ella State, Widow's Mate or something like that, which is some of the craziest like rhythms and like keyboard parts I've ever heard. Like it just sounds, I don't know if they altered it or sped it up in some way, but every time I hear that song, like I'm blown away, but just the album is in my, in my top 10, probably top five albums of all time. And, uh, it was a great entry point, um, of Ariel Pink's like really versatile discography. And, uh, I guess that's it for that, for that small tidbit. That's awesome. Okay, now we've gotten through. Have we gotten through three albums that we've talked about uh, for your list so far? Well, that was a good squeak. Um, two, one, two, three, four, four, five, six. So yeah, uh, five. Five. Okay, we got <laughs> so, through yeah, five. Yeah. Okay, let's go. Let's go. Uh, solid three more, and then because I'm just looking at the time right now, because oh, we yeah, have yeah. unfortunately we do have a time constraint in the studio, but. Whenever I make the post for this podcast, I'll include all of your full lists in it. Oh heck yeah! Yeah. So um, yeah, let's do let's do a, a couple more, and then we'll move on to Ty's list. Sure. Uh, then I'll just pick my favorite favorites from this thing. Yes. Um, so I said I was going to mention Sunlex, so I will mention Sunlex. Uh, Bones, twenty fifteen. Yes. Um, while I do feel like uh, uh, brighter wounds from I think that was last year or a couple of years ago um, is a more impactful album. Uh, Bones is just a better like structure thing, like as an album. And it's the first album that they got the 
the two other people. It started out as just Ryan Lott uh, as a composer and bringing other people in, but then uh, they permanently got uh, Ian Chang, who's one of the best drummers right now, um, and Rafiq Bhatia, who is a killer guitarist. Um, but Bones has a sound unlike anything else. Sunlucked has a sound unlike anything else. The They do that symphony rock, sometimes pop-ish um, thing, but they they take these orchestra instruments and sample them and just mangle the crap out of them and just make beautiful, amazing sounds that like just penetrate into my soul. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, cause like, I know that Sunlux made a lot of waves this, uh, this decade, uh, even like working with like artists such as like Sufjan Stevens. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, they got sampled I, a lot. They got too. sampled a lot. And do they, do they even have a master's course or am I making that up? Or I, I'm not sure. I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, but like they, they do something else with music and production and composition. Like, you could call them songs, but they're more than that. Um, so, I mean, I've like hesitated to like perform any Sunlux covers because there's just some things in the songs that just need to be there to make it that song. Yeah. And man, not easily doable or replicated. Yeah. Is yeah. it that type of thing where it's just, it's just gotta be a certain way or else it's just a big chunks missing. Right. Like I, I can't quite get, you know, a, a, a horde of flutes to make weird fluttery sounds while I'm <laughs> singing or something. Not so. without your $15,000 prismizer. Right. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever um, Francis and the lights use. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I would be remiss if I didn't say, uh, Radiohead, a moon shaped pool. That's on, that's, that, <laughs> that, 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 that's a tangential one for my list. Yeah. Ooh. I um, almost put that on there. I almost put it on there though. Really? Yeah. That's <laughs> funny that we all thought about it at least. That's that's good. And, I mean, and why a moon shaped pool above all else? Um. Well, I mean, what year did King of Limbs? Twenty eleven. Uh, twenty eleven. Yeah. yeah. I won't. Was... I won't say King of Limbs. It just wasn't enough. Uh. I. You know. I'll, I love Radiohead's my favorite band. So I love everything that they make. Tom York could fart into a microphone, and I'd be like, "Yep." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. But a moon shaped pool. Uh, one is that I was waiting so long, like my heart was ready for more Radiohead. Um, and this album came out, uh, shortly after Tom separated with his longtime partner, uh, who then passed, passed away. away like a year after the album's release. Um, and just the whole thing is just, it, I would be fine if this was Radiohead's last album. Yeah. Um like no they doubt. can they can send you out on a uh true love waits. True love waits <laughs> and just all right, I'll just I'll just weep until I die with this last album. Um <laughs> I think you're crazy. I want more Radiohead. <laughs> I mean like yeah, no, of course I want more Radiohead, but like if this was their last album, I'd be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um but man, it's just it's exactly what, like, a band as iconic as them sort of settling into their grown-up selves and becoming, uh, 
more than the legacy that they are. Uh, I'm probably using extremely lofty language for people who aren't big fans of Radiohead, but this is how I feel about it. Uh, Don't they, worry, everyone, anyone yeah. who's listening to this better like Radiohead or why, why else are you listening? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry to cut that off so short, no, but we got to move on to Ty's list. And Ty, you can like name off like six or seven. Six or seven. But try to try to keep the, the justifications a little bit short so we can... Okay. Throw in some more uh, time for Jackson. Okay. I'll I'll just quick fire the first four and then I can talk a little bit about my top six. Okay. So number ten is Melody's Echo Chamber Bon Voyage that came out last year. That was pretty good pop psychedelic pop album. Lucy Dacus No Burden. Pretty much all of this year, like she had the best vocals of anybody. Oh, I think Lucy. her vocals is really good. Owen for any of those uh, American football fans. Ghost Town, that's the name of the album. Death Heaven, that's a pretty good one for Ordinary Corrupt Human Love. Yes. That's the most recent one that they came out with. Okay, okay. And now we're on to number six. So number six, I would put as Tim Hecker's Kanoyo that came out last year, which I absolutely loved. I think it would be my favorite album of 2018, actually. It's a mixture of ambient electronic and Japanese Court music, which yeah. is such a strange like combination. Like you never expected like ancient Japanese court mu- music to pop up in anything, and yet here we are. And <laughs> I think he pulled it off really well. I the the way that he manipulates, and I, I think like with the influence that he's pulling from, he didn't even manipulate it that much. It's just that he got this ensemble, and he just told them just play. Just do whatever you need. And a lot of it's improv. And I find it to be incredibly engaging. The last two tracks, uh, Sodium Codec Haze and Across to Anoyo, are some of the best music that ever came that he ever came out with. Let's see. Number- it, when you say court music, do you mean like the- theatrical Japanese music? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like okay. the music that they would play for like emperors. and. Oh, wow. Yeah. That sounds really cool. And then Anoyo came out this year, right? Yes. Yeah, so it's the second part. Yeah, it's kind of like like an epilogue to Kanoyo, which Anoyo is a pretty good album. Um, I I find it to be just almost as good as Kanoyo. It's a little bit shorter, but... It's like Kanoyo came out first, and it was kind of like the the main part. Yeah. You know? With the... It's it's similar to Drop Pianos by Tim Hecker, the one that he released after Rave Death 1972. Mm. Which is just a more bare bones kind of his music. You just you just mentioned one on my list. Oh really? Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> Let's see. Number five is Daughters. You won't get what you want. Mm. So uh, that came out last year as well. Um, the reason why I put it at number five though is because it kind of succeeded at what Kanye did, which is terrified the hell out of me <laughs> that album i find to be incredibly anxiety inducing and normally like that kind of music like I, people are just kind of stay away like like negative feelings but i view you won't get what you want as sort of like a horror film that mm-hmm. did exactly what it went out to do and did it perfectly and so that and also it's a pretty catchy uh, album too. What's your favorite track off of You Won't Get, get What You Want? Oh, Ocean Song. Ocean Song, definitely. Yeah, your, well, actually, Long Road, No Turns and Ocean Song. I think they're neck and neck for favorite song off of that. Yeah, so. when we 
I mean, whenever I got that recording live, I was so happy to get that whole song. Oh, yeah. It is an awesome concert. It was so good. <laughs> okay. Moving on to number four is Mount Erie's A Crow Looked At Me. So that album hits a very special place in my heart. The subject matter, of, if you don't know, like uh, Phil Elvrum is a one of my favorite musicians ever. And I've been listening to to many years from his the microphones, Globe Part Two, and uh, Mount Erie. Um, you know, he has released music sporadically across the past couple of decades. And unfortunately, with Mount Erie's A Crow Looked at Me, the subject matter is about the passing of his wife. And this album came out less than a year after she had passed away. And a lot of what's going on in the album is incredibly touching. It's also incredibly depressing. And and it, it's backed by these like really like beautiful, like kind of like stark finger pick guitar. And there's a few guitars like come up here and some percussion too, but mostly it's just like his guitar work. And I find his guitar work to be at its best on this one, even though it's considered much slower, but it's still set out to do what it did, which is be depressing as hell. <laughs> and the lyrics are a mixture of forest, nature, and death at the same time. So I loved it. It's unfortunate that his wife passed away. Um, so... <laughs> To this day, I still wonder why he even released this album. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it's very intimate and almost feels almost like it's not it's not a problem with the album at all. But like sometimes when you listen to it, it almost feels like so you know like in the, in the same way Sufjan Stevens Carrie and Lowell is like it's very you have to kind of, kind of empathize with this situation mm-hmm. with Phil Elvrum. I feel like it's it's not even a call to empathy. It's just like here's here's what I've been dealing with this past year. It's like listen to it if you want to. Yeah, this is like his grief and suffering laid bare. And listening to this album, sometimes it feels kind of voyeuristic. Like you're looking into something that you're not supposed to. Um, yeah. But he, for some reason, he decides to do it. And you know, I like to get down to why he would release this album because it is depressing <laughs> and it is so personal. Yeah. Okay. Number three, I would put Shaking the Habitual by The Knife. So that came out in 2013 and a part of my life where I started listening to like all different kinds of form of music because before that, I listened to a lot of Arcade Fire, Modest Mouse, and Radiohead. Um, But The Knife, Shaking the Habitual, was kind of like that album that came out where it was a mixture of house music, electronic, art pop, but they turned it into something that is much more demented and much more sadistic. It's a dark album, and there's a lot of parts on this album itself where it's kind of like ambient and they're long. They're, I mean, like the centerpiece of the album is this 20-minute ambient piece that really doesn't fit anywhere, but they just decided to put it on there. A lot of the tracks on are bangers too, like Full of Fire. It's easily like top five songs of ever on my list. So I really love that song. Give it a listen too if you're feeling up for it. It's, it, it is kind of scary. What, what is the title again? The Knife. Uh, uh, Shaking the Habitual Shaking by The Knife. The habitual. Okay. Yes. So I also like to mention like how different it is from their first, like they became famous from the swan song called Heartbeats, I think. Mm-hmm. And like coming from the Heartbeats to Shaking the Habitual is such a huge like 180 
And I, I'm kind of impressed, like, whenever an artist actually does something like that, where they kind of, like, turn a 180, like how Radiohead did with OK Computer and Kid A. Mm-hmm. I love it when artists do that. It's, I think it's, she goes to show how versatile that artists can be. And so the knife really showed on that one. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to cut your list off too short, but if you want to finish the rest of it, that's fine. But um, I was going to maybe let Jackson get in like one or two more. Uh, and then I, I actually think that we have like a, a solid enough list of like mutuals that we could put together possibly a top three okay. most agreeable album okay. list if you guys want to come come to that conclusion. So um, do you want to go off the rest of the list that you're going to just like say that say the titles like no 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 justification just oh okay yeah just say 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 the rest that you had okay. on the list number two Tim Hecker is Virgins Virgins okay love that album and number one top album of the decade is Swans to Be Kind yes so I love that album such a great experience everybody should listen to it at least once in their life just to see what's out there I love to be kind okay now Jackson do do you have a, any more list any more of your list that you'd like to go down? Sure. Um, I've got Advaitik Songs from 2012, and that was uh, by a group called Ohm, which was a side project uh, from Sleep Salsis Neros, their bass player and vocalist. And it's basically uh, the music Ohm usually did was this kind of droney kind of um, world music, Middle Eastern influenced like metal. Mm. Now, Advaitik Songs was like the most progressive and the least metal of their albums. And to me, that's what makes it shine. You've got like cellos, you've got tablas, you have uh, violins and very, very good like droney, like sitar, like keyboard parts. And not only do you have that, but you have this, you know, like Al Cisneros plays this like five string custom like Rickenbacker. So that thing is just massive sounding on that record. And it's just, it was a, it was a big record for me in high school and I love it to this day. Um, another one is hyphenated man from 2010 by Mike Watt and his Ooh. missing men. Now Mike Watt was in the Minutemen, Firehose and plenty of other bands, but my favorite musician, fantastic bass player. Um, but what hyphenated man is, and I could be getting this wrong is Hiros Bosch, the Italian painter who does all the f- wacky, portraits of hell and you know like the, that the walking the, the garden of earthly delights I yes that one his, that one his famous triptych yeah <laughs> it, it, like so mike watt took different characters from this this painting so you have like arrow pierced egg man uh tree cl- tree cladding cradling man and you have all these different little you know demands to make up this like rock opera with all these crazy parts each song's like a minute minute and a half at most and you know mike watt being the powerhouse he is on bass is just amazing you got tom watson on guitar and rollo morales on drums great lineup another album i'm going to admit and i have two more here uh boards of canada's tomorrow's harvest from 2013 <laughs> not my favorite boards of canada record but i mean for the for their the last time they've released so far and then it being the last in the decade man that one packs a punch it's very um, it's very somber, and it, it was also inspired by um, the soundtrack for Day of the Dead by George Harrison. Sorry, John Harrison, not George Harrison. <laughs> uh, fantastic synth-based soundtrack and very doomy. A lot of people think it's very apocalyptic, but just and each song is very cohesive, and it made a good impact on me. And then lastly, 
uh, replica or replicas, I believe, from 2011 by One O Tricks Point Never. Ooh. And this was an album I just listened to, and I've only listened to the whole thing through about once. But I will say this: when I was on my back porch. It was like 60, 70 degrees to just right, um, and man, it that was just tremendous listening. Very, very good moody music. Um, once again, a very somber sounding record. You know the tones of the synthesizers and samples are just fantastic and it's got a great album cover to boot with it this vision of a i guess a skeleton looking in the mirror or something and like gasping anyway that's it for me okay now this is this is interesting because out of all these choices all these um own personal choices that we've come up with here i am seeing a pattern that maybe we could come in and maybe even put together a top three maybe top four unfortunately there's nothing on jackson's list that was on my list pre-existingly but i i will say that tomorrow's harvest is a good one for me i really like that boards of canada record and i would say that that 10 tricks replica i had i hadn't even i guess i guess i just forgot about that album coming out in 2011 I, I had seen the album cover like millions of times on the, all these like music pages and everyone was talking about it. And I, I never found out um, what that album was until recently. Also, another honorable mention, whatever that Garden album is where it's the Joker in the mirror. Sorry, I had to say that. I had to put that one. Oh, there. the Garden? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, that one, that one was a fun one. Anyway, One of Tricks Point Never, that replica album is fantastic. And that cover, once again, is just, I, I love it. So pulling pulling from Santiago's list, I think I'm automatically in favor of. Well, I I, I would say the money store, but I mean, shape pool kind of takes a little bit of a of a higher right. Ranking. And we, uh, I mean, we we had all kind of agreed yeah. in a way that like, oh dang. Okay, so this isn't this isn't in any particular order yet, unless we want to put it in order. Right. And then pulling from Ty's list, I definitely got to say, well, your your list matched with mine on uh, daughters. You won't get what you want. That was that was also on my list. The other scary face album. <laughs> yeah, nope, it's black and white. I I will say, looking at your list, uh, that to pimp a butterfly is like, even if it's not mutually on all of our lists, it needs to be on the list. It needs to be it on is, the list. It is a a crucial work. That it, yeah, it really is. I yeah. It's yeah. also black and white. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Okay, <laughs> now it's time to unveil the shroud of why I brought you all here today. <laughs> and it's because I have a theory that the best albums of the decade all have black and white covers. Huh. Boo. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <I'm sorry>. Whoa. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, let me see. Okay. Well, the money store is in black and white. Golden age, black and white. Um, Deaf Heaven, Ordinary Corrupt Human Love is black and white. Uh, Splendor and Misery by Clipping is on my list, and that's in black that's and white. That's in black and white as well. <laughs> I, I was going to put Clipping on the list too. Yeah, yeah. I Wait, which one? Uh, well, I haven't gotten really around to their latest album, but Splendor, okay. Splendor and Misery, Misery was definitely like, oh, yeah. That's like that's like <laughs> up there. Tim Hecker, Virgins is black and white. Tim, Tim, uh, is Virgins black and white? I think that 1970 or Rave Deaf 1972 is. Oh, it's black and white, or it's like <laughs> kind of like a it's like a burnt image, like a it's like black and white, but it could have some brown tinges in it. I don't know. Sepia, sepia, yeah, maybe. <laughs> is it sepia or is it black and white? Uh, it looks. Uh, I'd say it's black and white. 
Yeah. Uh, I, was, I was just looking at this one, and I was like, oh, that might be black and white, too. Bridg Bridget's is a little bit black and white. Yeah. yeah. No, it's actually this dumb theory that I had, because I, I I couldn't pick, like, my favorite albums of the decade. <laughs> right, so I was right. Just like, I was like, I wonder if, like, because I, I, I was just noticing, like, a pattern in, like, all, all my favorite albums. Like, not all of them, but a lot of them were black and white covers, and I was mm -hmm. like, maybe this is, like, an artistic choice that is, yeah. like, pointing towards some pattern of, like... Patrician authority. Peppa sure. the Pig isn't in black and white. Peppa the Pig is not black and white. Oh but no! It's still yeah. the best album, so that kind of <laughs> throws your theory out the window. My theory is foiled by <laughs> Peppa. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, also on my list, Aromanticism by Moses Sumney. Not necessarily in black and white. I love Moses Sumney, yeah. but uh, I mean, it's almost black and white. So I mean, because some of these are like close. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No, I mean, like they're 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 close enough. So, no, it's actually just a dumb theory. But I was gonna put out my list on Facebook and just right. like see if anyone noticed that all the albums that I chose were black and white. Oh, all of them? <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I put together my my list to correspond to that theory. Oh. Okay. Dang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. The replica. I just mentioned. Uh, I was looking at the the albums as you were saying them. So I was like, oh yeah. Um. Inter in interesting, right? <laughs> not 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 in any way like uh empirical but May, maybe it's because like those artists felt the message was strong enough within the album that they didn't need color to like contribute to like your perception of the album it's like no this doesn't even need the extra push from my album art <laughs> i'll just give it to you with this and you know that it's good. Kind of like how uh, Stevie Wonder like sees music and colors in his in his head, mm. but but the opposite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The opposite portrayal. Stevie right. Wonder. Stevie Wonder just like sketches you a beautiful image, and it's like he's like you can add color later. That's, yeah. I, that's what I always do. So, so that, that means that it's the inverse is true. Then the more colorful album is the worst album. Like Chance the Rapper's The Big Day. Oh, I mean, that was a pretty colorful album. I mean, it was just kind of like his hand and some earthy tones in the background. Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. There's like, there's oh, a coloring lot. book. Yeah. Oh, coloring book. Right, right. Also more color, but I mean. I like coloring book better though. Yeah. Well, uh, album covers that have rainbows on them. I don't know if that's like another tier of like since it has all of the colors are they just extra worse <laughs> <laughs> they're just extra bad <laughs> no no this is this is just like a fun little thing that i wanted to do uh would we be able to like go around and like nominate a like number one album of your decade okay yeah no yeah we can wait so number one album of your decade yeah yeah like for for you out of your list that you made what is your number one like, I know you already sort of, uh, like, listed them in an order. I didn't put mine in order because I, I didn't yeah. think of it at the Honestly, time. I, I didn't know that we could have done that. Right, right. That would actually no, be a lot easier for me. No, no, I don't. I didn't want there to be an order, actually, necessarily. So I'm kind of <laughs> glad that you guys didn't put them in order because... You can't pick uh, a favorite child. It just isn't moral. Yeah, uh, just that's how <laughs> I structured mine. It's like, number one, Swans to be kind, like... Great album, by the way. Well, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine that you did that. Do you, what is, are you, are you, are you number one? Wait, is it okay? Yeah, yeah, go for yeah, yeah, go, you yeah we, should, we, we should all go to, down in a line. This is how we'll close out the podcast. My number one would would be, um, well, I'm a dummy. It was the first one I mentioned. It was uh, Before Today by Ariel Pink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the variety and uh, the order of songs and just the impact it had on me. That one for sure. I actually hadn't mentioned it 
previously. Uh, and you would think I would say a moon-shaped pool, but it's actually science fiction by Brand New. <gasps> oh! <laughs> also kind of black and white. Also yeah. mostly black and white. Mostly black and white, it, yeah. Oh my gosh. I like, I needed that album. Yeah. Like it's so, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> I love that one. Um, for me, it would probably have to be Halcyon Digest by Deer Hunter. Uh, just because that album was like, it, it, it painted a, a myriad of images for me, like, but mostly it's just the atmospheric tones and some of the more laid down, down tempo tracks uh, that kind of convey um, a portrait of just like the wilderness at night. Like when you're out camping and like the fire goes out and like you're just kind of like with nothing but the coals at that point and then you just kind of look up and you can kind of see like some like starlight com- coming in but just like the the atmospheric painting that they really uh portray in that album it's just one of the most um beautiful pieces that I think the band has composed and it's been it's it's been an album that's been with me and I can go back to it and it sounds fresh every single time uh it definitely doesn't sound um like the year it came out in which i believe was 2010 hmm. um yeah it just it sounds pretty timeless for what i can tell and it was definitely uh bradford cox like pop level of writing uh, and, and lyricism for the time too so i would recommend checking that out so for number one i already said this it is <laughs> swans to be kind i think for i think it's an absolute rock masterpiece it, it's a genre bending like it kind of just it's like a melting pot really of like post-rock punk and there's some ambient in there too and it's probably the one most intense and most just so out there album that i've listened to this decade but it's just so creative and it gave me the concept it it, it gave the concept that you can have a 34 minute song and just have it build up but the build up leads into some of the best climaxes ever and a lot of songs nowadays are like three or four minutes long and they're they're punchy they're straight to the point but swans lets the songs breathe they, they let it build up and they leave room for it to actually have some atmosphere and some like some improv in there too like a lot of the songs like came out of improv from their touring and Really, it's an experience that everybody has to at least go through like once before just to see like, hey, there's music out there just like this. And it's ugly and beautiful at the same time. It's like a Goya painting. It's, it's a Goya painting, yeah. And <laughs> oh gosh, or, yeah. A, or a Gira painting, you could say. A, a Gira, Gira, Gira painting. Gira. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys have any honorable mentions before we go? Because... Sec, maybe maybe second in, second right. in line. Oh well, I I since I didn't say it out loud, I have to say the transistor soundtrack by Darren Korb is. Uh, Ooh, yeah, I'm glad you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you said transistor <laughs> soundtrack. Uh, that's my favorite game of all time, and the soundtrack is a large reason for it. But, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm glad I spoke up. Anything? <laughs> what, what about you, Ty? For honorable mention. Yeah. Or just number two. Yeah, honorable mention or number two. Whichever. Okay. Well. Uh, number two is Tim Hecker Virgins. That album came out and told me like, hey, there's music out there like this. And if you try listening to Tim Hecker Virgins, when you just graduate from high school and you, all you listen to is Arcade Fire, listening to Virgins is an eye-opening experience. I think, I think for me, it would be Grouper's AIA, Alien Observer. 
that that album is just nothing but calming bliss throughout and it's just like it really feels kind of kind of a similar reason why like halcyon digest it kind of like uh evokes those like feelings of like being out at night like but like it's more of like a stargazing kind of it's also in black and white it's also black and white <laughs> whoa oh this guy God. this guy might be onto something <laughs> <laughs> just kidding uh, it's a really dumb theory jackson you got like a another honorable mention oh, goodness like like i said i'll say the um I wish I I feel so stupid because I should know the name of it but um the I think it was their last album was The Garden it is the album where there is a jester clown type figure looking in the mirror yeah I mean it's it's the thing about like about that album is I just I just turn my brain off and I listen to it I mean it really is just them is it, fooling oh, around Oh it's The Mirror Might Still Your Charm I haven't listened to this one yet Oh it's fun it was the first uh, it's first and only album I've heard by The Garden and it was what got me introduced to their music because it's just they call it Vada Vada, I think. It's like the that's what they call that their genre. It's kinda Vada like Vada. how Magma made up, you know, the um I can't think what their name was, but it's they may the band makes up their own genre because they don't want it to be, you know, have the normal genre classification. Right. That's kind of fun. The way I describe it is weird samples and hardcore punk surf, um, rap. Just a bunch of fun stuff. And it's it's very it's gimmicky in the best way possible. Yeah, like they have like some idiotic sounding like lyrics, but at the same time you get those like different like variations of like tones. Yeah, tones like I don't know what you'd call it, but just like sometimes you'll just get these like one off like notes and it's just like what did like what synth uh patch are you using? Guitar. Yeah, yeah. And the way the guy plays bass, he plays this like really short scale telecaster bass and puts like this like crazy surf reverb and distortion on it it doesn't sound like any other bass i've heard so that's they just have a really refreshing sound for and they perform in kilts yeah and jester makeup and they have these 80s earrings and they're twins uh, heck yeah one of the most fun shows i've ever been to sorry all right well thank you guys so much for coming on and talking thank about you your list this has been really fun and i uh i look forward to being on bit depth hopefully before i can Leave. Oh yeah, please, please, thank you. <laughs> I'm so excited. Uh, yeah, and this is the time where I shout out everyone that's doing cool stuff. Uh, I know that I can shout out Santiago and uh, Bit Depth, and that you should check out his podcast. I'll give a link to that in this description. Also, make music, which you can find on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. And uh, similar and in uh, ability to find things, um, Chameleon Factory, i.e. Jackson Fritz, who performed at the beginning of this. Uh, show you should check out him on Bandcamp. Heck yeah! Is that, I believe it's just Chameleon Factory on Bandcamp, right? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Thank you. And uh, yeah, you can find uh, Ty Fan uh, nowhere <laughs> off the grid. Yeah, I don't find have anything. Second to plug. wind. <laughs> find him at Second Wind. Get get him some coffee and have a good conversation. I'll be down for that. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. I think we'd all be done with that. I, actually, I want to go see if Second Wind is open right now. Let's <laughs> just all get coffee. <laughs> <laughs> ha ha ha. Outro. Ha ha ha. Well, thank you so much for being on the uh, the last ever episode of Sounds Welcome, at least for the time being. <laughs> yeah, this is, this, is, this is a grand moment. How should we go out? Last time, last time we went out, we did the Mario theme. We just we sang it. How about Merry Christmas, everybody? <laughs> 
happy holidays. <laughs> we wish you a happy holidays. holidays. We, we wish you a happy holidays. We wish you a happy holidays. Have a good holiday. A why, why, why are you Christmas? not saying Christmas? Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Xmas, XD, XDmas, <laughs> rar. <laughs> Ernest saves Christmas. <laughs> Sounds welcome. <laughs>